This morning we'll be in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Today we'll see that the gospel comes from God. That's where the gospel comes from, and that's how we begin to understand the gospel. It's because of God. It is from God. It is because of God. It is all of God. And as we've seen this last couple of weeks, as we've begun in Galatians, what we've learned is that the Galatian church is in danger of losing the gospel. Paul doesn't have much greeting for them. He doesn't have much uh, praise for them. He just immediately goes into, I am astonished that you are so quickly abandoning the gospel. And they had another gospel, which was no gospel at all. It was creeping in and taking over. And they were attracted to it. It seemed good to them or else they wouldn't have ditched the gospel for it. It had elements that seemed good. There were teachers who crept in. And first, they undermined Paul's authority. They asked questions like, who is Paul? He wasn't, he wasn't with Jesus. He, he never heard Jesus actually teach. He was a persecutor of the church. This Paul guy is crazy. He used to kill Christians. And now he wants to pretend like he's an apostle. And after they discredited Paul, they used sneaky arguments, I'm sure, like, don't you think we ought to be reading the Bible? After all, all they had at this time was basically the Old Testament. Shouldn't we be reading the Bible? And the Bible says that circumcision is an eternal covenant given to Abraham and his children. And if it's an eternal covenant given to Abraham and his children, we shouldn't be messing with that. Abraham was circumcised. Isaac was. Jacob was. All the children were. Why wouldn't you be? All of God's people always have been. You really think God wants to abandon his word like that? You're going to trust Paul over Moses? You think the law is nothing now? These are persuasive arguments, aren't they? If you're not prepared for them, if you haven't been discipled for them. This is what Paul was having to deal with is in, that, in his absence, that his apostolic authority was being undermined, that these people were bringing a different gospel that was no gospel at all. And Paul knew it right well, that the things that they were teaching would not lead to peace, but actually to condemnation. They would not give people peace of soul, but they would give them anxiety because they were sneaking law into grace. So let's read this morning, Galatians 1, 11 through 24, and find how Paul begins to counter what these people are teaching. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard about my former life in the way of Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church, and I tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had been apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, and I stayed with him 15 days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God I am not lying in what I write to you. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing 
he who formerly persecuted us, now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Where does the gospel come from? Whose is it? Who gets to be the gatekeepers of the gospel? If you look at verse 11 through 12, he says here that the gospel preached to me is not of human origins. I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it. It came by revelation of Christ. This is the same, the same thing he says in verse 1 regarding his apostleship. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So the same place Paul is saying that his apostolic authority comes from is the same place from which the gospel came. The source of Paul's apostleship and the source of Paul's gospel are both rooted in Christ. He did not appoint himself as an apostle and he did not make up the gospel himself. Both of these things were given to him by Jesus. And that's important because those who were contradicting him came with their own learning, with their own saying, and they were not appointed apostles by Jesus Christ. Think about this. For generations in Judaism, the scribes and Pharisees had been those who were the religious authority of Israel. And to be a scribe, which is also sometimes in the Bible called a lawyer, to be a scribe or a lawyer or a Pharisee, you had to study. You had to learn from the right rabbis, and you had to dedicate your life to knowing the Torah, the law, and the prophets. It took years to become a scribe and a Pharisee. They had to know the word of God forward and backwards. They had to go to rabbinical school, as it was. And if you recall, when Jesus came to Galilee and to Jerusalem and he was teaching, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. And the reason that the people were astonished at his teaching was because Jesus spoke as one who had authority. He did not do like the, the scribes and the Pharisees of their day and say, well, this is what Rabbi uh, Shlomo says. That's Solomon in Hebrew. This is what Rabbi Shlomo says. Now you learn something today. You go around, I didn't. Solomon sounds so much wiser than Shlomo. So anyway... This is what rabbi so-and-so says. This is what rabbi so-and-so says. And this is how this rabbi teaches. And this is what this tradition says. That's not what Jesus said. Remember, he says, I say to you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. Jesus was speaking in his authority. And Paul grew up in this rabbinical tradition. He studied with the right guys. He was the kind of valedictorian of his class. He was exceeding all of his brothers in their study. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He says, I was a Jew of Jews. No one could touch his pedigree. No one was more zealous for the law and tradition than the Apostle Paul when he was Saul the Pharisee. He was so zealous, in fact, he was not afraid or ashamed to persecute the church of God and to put the children of God to death. And Paul is saying here, you know what? I know all this stuff. I know everything that these guys are coming to you and that they're teaching. I know it forwards and backwards. I know it better than they do. And later he's going to say, and what I'm telling you is, it's a pile of garbage. What they're teaching you will never save you. What I got, I did not get from any rabbi. What I got, I did not get from any man, period. What I got. I received by way of revelation of Jesus Christ. I am an apostle 
because God has made me so. Now, I'm not belittling study. We, we should st- send our pastors to school so they should learn some stuff, figure out how to interpret and understand the Bible. I love study. I spend hours and hours in study and, and contemplation, and that's not to brag. It's just who I am and what I'm called to do. But the gospel of salvation comes to us exactly the same way as it did the Apostle Paul by way of revelation of the Son of God. I'm not saying that all the saved people are apostles. I'm saying that all the saved people from Paul to me to you are all saved the exact same way. You are not saved because of a human being. And the revelation of Jesus Christ which you have received, you do not receive from any man. You receive it by way of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are all saved the same way. Not all Christians are apostles. There were very few. Paul's calling was unique in that his gift was to be an apostle. But we are all saved the same way, by means of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is why Paul is so careful to preach the gospel clearly. It's because that is the only way by which we can be saved. The means through which God reveals himself to us is the gospel. But it is God who does the revealing. And so God reveals himself to us through the gospel. Look at verses 15 through 17. But when God, who, was, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was, repl- was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. How did Paul become a Christian? This was a man who knew the scriptures forward and backwards. How did he become a Christian? Was he sitting one day and studying over the Torah and he read from Moses where he says, uh, one day God will raise up another prophet like me? And Paul thought, well, I wonder who that is. And did he begin to read through Abraham's seed that Abraham's seed would be promised to bless all nations? And he sees that that promise goes to Isaac and then Isaac goes to Jacob and Jacob says that, uh, that through Judah the promise would come. Paul knew all of these things. Do you realize suddenly that Jesus of Nazareth is descendant of David? That he was born of the virgin as the prophet said, Behold, the virgin is pregnant. Is that what happened? Did he reason himself through scriptures and see all these things in there and suddenly go, Oh, well, maybe Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. Is that what happened? He knew all the scriptures I'm talking about. No. He had all of that information in his head. And yet, did not know Jesus. And persecuted the church of God. Until one day, a fateful day, the Apostle Paul is journeying to Damascus, <laughs> not to study scripture, but to round up Christians and put them in jail. And he's struck blind on the road to Damascus by a revelation of Jesus Christ who says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And you would think that a guy who spent all of his time persecuting Jesus Christ and his disciples, that when a voice from heaven called out and said, why are you persecuting me? He would realize, "Uh uh-oh. But no, he said, Lord, who are you? (laughs) I'm Jesus of Nazareth, who you persecute. No clue. My point in bringing that up is that great learning, great study, Being raised up in church, being raised up in synagogue is no guarantee that you will know Jesus Christ. In fact, there is no way to know Jesus apart from the revelation of God to our spirit. Paul became a Christian when, in Paul's word, God was pleased to reveal his son in me. 
to me. The Lord showed Paul who he is. And that is the only way you will know who Jesus is too. The gospel is the way that God's light shines through so that we might see the Holy Spirit of God empowers this gospel by grace so that we can see. It is not by works, lest anyone should boast. This is the gospel. We don't get the gospel because we're so smart. We don't get the gospel because we're so good. We don't get the gospel because we're so bad. We get the gospel because it is. it has pleased the Father to reveal His Son to us. That is how we get the gospel. That is how Paul was saved. In Ephesians, Paul writes... You are dead in your trespasses and sin in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the power of the air, that's Satan. The spirit now working in the disobedience. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclination of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature, listen to this, we were by nature children of wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. How did you come to know Jesus? Can you remember being a Christian? Becoming a Christian? Some of you may not. Many of you can. Maybe you were, it was years ago. You say, oh, is that a problem if you can't remember? Not really. Not if you're a Christian. You could get, think about this. You could get hit in the head tomorrow. You'd be driving your car down the road. Flip. This would be terrible. I don't want this to happen to me. Hit your head. Not even know who you are when you woke up. Did you know this happens to people? Hit their head. They wake up. They don't even know who they are. They don't know their name. They know nothing. Does that mean they're not saved anymore? Can't remember. Except in Jesus, they can't remember anything. They can't remember their own name. Because they can't remember Jesus. Does Jesus abandon them? What in the world kind of gospel is that? It's not because you chose Jesus. It's not because you can remember the date and time when you were saved. One day, it may not take a car wreck. You might be an old person, last stages of dementia, Alzheimer's disease. Can't remember even your own family. Can't remember anything. But Jesus still remembers you. Because this gospel is not from man or by man, or by choice or by will. It is by decree of the Lord. He has set you apart from your mother's womb and called you to himself. And he has been pleased to reveal his son, his son in you. It is not by works that no one can boast. You were, and I was, dead, dead in trespass and sin. Dead means dead. Dead means doomed. Dead means gone. You were not drowning. You were drowned. You were not flailing about. You were done. You were in the grave. It was over. Sin had put you to death by the power of the holy law. We were done. But God, who is rich in mercy, raised you to life through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the gospel, through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, today in our Sunday school class, we learned in the fourth through sixth grade class, Jesus said these words. We had to talk about it. John 15, 16. You did not choose me. I chose you. And I've appointed you that you should bear fruit. 
and that your fruit will remain. That's gospel. And this is what Paul is going to labor so hard for them to see. It's scary at first. Oh, God's in control of my salvation? God is the one who does all these things? Yes, but it is a blessed mercy. Because the moment you think that you're in charge of any aspect of your salvation, when you stop doing that thing, you will lose it. And it will always bother you. What if I don't believe well enough? What if I don't live well enough? What if I don't do well enough? What if, I don't, what if I'm not the person that Christ called me to be? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? There is no what if. When God calls you daughter, when God calls you son, it is an irrevocable decree from the throne of God that can never be changed, not by life or death or angels or principalities or powers of this present darkness. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ that is ours in the Lord. Nothing. That's good news. And they're trading that good news for keep the law of Moses, be circumcised, keep the law, tithe, do this, do that. There's lots of things we should do. We're supposed to bear fruit. If we don't bear fruit, Jesus, the Father, actually prunes us from the vine. And all those who bear fruit, he says he prunes them too, that they might bear more fruit. Because God is at work both to do and to will for your salvation. God reveals himself to us through the gospel. And notice the beautiful thing about Ephesians. He says, we too, all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires. Who's we too? Paul is using the first person plural for all you grammarians. We means us. He's including himself. I was the children of wrath. Oh, I was a child of wrath. Until what? God revealed himself in me. Just the same way he does you. Paul had no special conversion in the sense that he got saved a different way than everybody else does. Every single one of us gets saved by way of revelation of Christ. We don't all get struck down blind on the road to Damascus, but we get struck down somewhere. Somehow. The Lord breaks in on us and we see the light of God. He says, let there be light. And the light we see is the shining face of Christ. This comes by way of revelation of the Holy Spirit through the power of the gospel. Paul counts himself. He was dead in sin. Paul was dead in sin. He needed a resurrection. Paul was dead in sin. He needed to be regenerated. All of us dead. And how did we come alive? We hear the gospel. And you might hear it for years and years and years and years. It's like a light switch that's turned off, but it's there. And one day the Spirit of God flips the switch and when you look you see Jesus. You were dead in trespass and sin. You were dead. And God said, let there be light into your heart. And you woke up and you saw Jesus and said, I believe. And it was such a beautiful, scary perhaps, experience that you couldn't help but believe because you saw Christ. It was not a guessing game. It was not a, boy, if I do this. It, listen, I'm going to hurt some people maybe, but I'm going to tell you. You didn't have to step a foot out into the aisle. You know, you sit there in anxiety. Oh, I should come down to the front because the preacher's giving an invitation. If I don't come down to the front, I won't be a Christian. My goodness, God is more powerful than that. He wakes you up. You see Jesus. You cannot escape God. The Holy Spirit whispers sweetly into our heart. Like Jesus, the bedside of the little girl, Jairus, his daughter. Do not cry. Do not weep. The girl is not dead. She's merely sleeping. 
little girl, wake up. That's what he says to all of us. Little girls, he can say it to you when you're five. You may not remember it. Little girl, wake up. Maybe a boy. Little boy, wake up. Did you ever hear a dead person disobey Jesus? Lazarus, get up. Jesus walking through the street. There's a widow weeping and wailing. She's a widow. She's already lost her husband. Now her only son's died. He says, stop the funeral. Son, wake up. He woke up. When the Lord of life says, wake up, guess what happens? You wake up. You stay awake. Because it is not your power that sustained you. It is not your power that woke you from the dead. It was the power of God. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. That God is not trying to save you. He is saving you. That's the good news. He doesn't try. He saves. He is not the almost savior. He's the savior. Period. He has rescued us, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And Paul counts himself in that. That he was saved by grace. By the grace of God alone that he remains saved by the grace of God alone. So the gospel comes from God. It is a revelation from God for every last person. Same for Paul, same for you. But when you were called, when God revealed himself to you, you were not called to be an apostle. You are called to something else. I don't know what that is. It's, it's for you. It's just for you. God called you to be a Christian. And he called you to these works that you do. God called Paul to be a Christian, just exactly like he does to us. And then he called Paul to be an apostle. And Paul himself would say, hey... That's just what God called me to do. This is what I'm called to do. He's appointed me to be an apostle. But he's called me the same way he's called you. And he's given me a job just like he's given you a job to do. Maybe your letter to the church will be, I don't know. Instead of saying Paul an apostle, it will be, so and so, put in your name, a teacher, an encourager. Not for men or by men, but by God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your job. And it's good. It's important. God has made you that way. Set you apart before you're ever born. This is going to be my encourager. I'm going to set them out just to keep my people in the path. When they're down, they're going to lift them up. This is their job. It's beautiful. Every single, every single gift is beautiful. Shines like glory. You have one. You got it the same way Paul did. Same way he got the gospel. So he, the gospel is a revelation from God. And God reveals himself to us, the conduit, if you will, through which he breaks into our heart is through the gospel. That's the neon light, is the gospel. That Jesus is risen from the dead. That Jesus is the savior of the world. You hear that over and over and one day God lights it up. He is the savior of the world. He is risen. This is why we can be confident in our salvation because it doesn't come from ourselves it comes from God he reveals himself to us through the gospel and then he reveals himself to the world through us he reveals himself to the world through us Paul says here that God revealed himself to Paul 
Then God revealed to Paul his purpose in life, which was to be an evangelist. Then through Paul, God reveals his glory to others. Look at what it says here at the end of verse 1. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. Oh, look at verse 24. And they glorified God because of me. That's sweet. The gospel comes from heaven. He reveals it to us through his gospel. And then God reveals himself to the world through us. He who formerly tried to destroy the church now preaches the gospel he tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So here's a question for you. (laughs) If God has revealed himself to you for your salvation, if God has revealed himself to you to give you a gift, not apostleship, something else, then you are supposed to go out into the world and reveal God to others through this. You too are a conduit to Christ. We, we looked at the other day hard questions of the Bible in First Peter. One of them was, what does he mean by the woman is the weaker vessel? We're not going to get into that, but there is a very interesting passage there where he says that if your husband is unbelieving, then without a word you can win him to Christ. What does that mean? Of course they have to hear the gospel. But it means that our lives, as we live them to the submission and authority of Christ, we reveal Christ to others. We become walking bodies of Christ, lights on a hill, especially our church as a whole. We are showing the world the gospel. Jesus said this. Again, in John 15, that we are to love one another as Christ has loved us. He said, love one another as I have loved you. This is how the world will know that you're my disciples, as if you love one another. People will see Christ in us. We are revealing God to the world. All of these things boost and glorify, adorn the gospel that people will see it and hear and believe. God revealed himself to Paul. God revealed to Paul his purpose and then God revealed himself to others through Paul. And this is the exact same process that every one of us is going to go through. And what Paul is writing here in the into the church in Galatia. He is writing to the Christian brothers and sisters who are being tempted and led astray by this gospel. What he's doing is, hey, do you recognize what I'm telling you here? Is what I'm saying has been my experience with Christ? Has this been the experience with you? Do you want to begin in faith and grace and end up in works? What are you talking about? Who has bewitched you, he'll say. You, before whose very eyes Jesus has been portrayed as crucified. What has happened? How did this happen to you? It not only will happen to the Galatians, but it can happen to us. Remember, always, always, when Satan should buffet, as we sang today, when trials come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate, dead in trespass, and has shed his own blood for my soul. That's the beauty of the gospel. That when we were dead in trespass and sin, God makes us alive. He did it for you. He brought salvation to you. And he is saving you this morning. He's saving you today. (laughs) His mercies are new every morning. You got up this morning. And when you woke up, while you were still sleeping, by the way, you went to sleep. You're like, boy, I hope a tornado doesn't get us tonight. It didn't. I'm grateful for that. Could have. It didn't. You woke up this morning, he said, oh, there's my son. There's my daughter. 
going to go to church today. Going to hear from my word. He set all this up for you. He said for us. Going to hear from my scripture. Going to love my son more. I'm going to love them. When you leave here, he's going to go with you. When you rise up and you walk out, he walks with you. When you come back home, he's with you. Right until the end of the age. No matter what you do. It's a pretty big promise, isn't it? I'll close with this. It used to be you tell people you're sure of your salvation. People say, or you'd say, once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Once saved, always saved. And I've said many times that it's about perseverance of the saints, but there is truth to once you're saved, you're always saved. What do people say? Why, if you believe that once you're saved, always saved, you can do anything you want to. And then you're still going to be a Christian. You go out and murder and steal and kill. And you can still be a Christian. Whenever someone says you can do whatever you want and still be a Christian. Oh yes, we always and only do whatever we want. That's the truth. And you can go out and do terrible things. But Christ will never abandon you. He will never stop convicting you either. He will never stop bringing you to repentance either. He will never start breaking your, stop breaking your heart either. The Father will never stop pruning those branches either. You can do that. It's going to bring pain, a world of it. But our salvation does not depend on what we've done, beloved. It depends on what he's done, what he's delivered. He told his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. It's not a what if. It's a fact. He waits for us. He longs for the day when all of his children will be together. And you are one of those if you trust him by faith. He calls you by his name. Just love the Lord. Let your anxiety go. Cast your cares upon him. You will be saved. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray this morning that you will be with us a people. Help us to live our lives by faith. Help us to live our lives not in anxiety that maybe we won't be accepted by you in the beloved, but let us live in joy that we are accepted by you in the beloved Jesus, that his sacrifice and resurrection does avail for us. Father, we are saved. We are being saved, and every day we, be, we grow more in Christ, not because of us, but because of you. Help us to glory in this beauty, in the glory of this wonderful gospel, this good news. And I pray that if there are saints here who have been led astray by the devil or the world or whatever, give them joy and peace. Give them your spirit. Let them rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray. If you'll stand, we're going to sing a song.